Would you open your Bibles or your phones or however you access God's Word? We're going to look at two brief um, scriptures. One, one uh, is our memory verse for today. So uh, if you don't have a Bible with you or a phone with you, you can actually open that, that um, bulletin on the lower left-hand corner is the scripture. Romans 12. One through two. Again, this is a memory verse. Chris and I talk a lot about our memory verses. We want you to both grow in your capacity for God's word. But once in a while, we want to throw you a verse that we know that you have one point committed to memory. And and just to remind you of it again, this is one of those verses probably four or five times over the last five years. We've had it in our bulletin. Here, as I uh, read the very word of God, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Would you join me in verse 2 again? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And the address, Romans 12, 1 through 2. All right, lock that in. And flip over with me, would you, to, um, to one of our extraordinary prayers from several weeks ago. In Philippians chapter 1, we're going to take just a couple verses out of that beautiful prayer of Paul for the Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, the very Word of God. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, wow. Well, the last few weeks, we've been, we've been um, rapidly moving through uh, some of the greatest teachings, some of the greatest events in the history of the world. We we uh, saw Jesus question his disciples. Do you remember? He said to Peter, but all the disciples were there, do you love me? Do you remember that? John 21, the week after Easter. And, and, and we saw that amazing restoration of Peter, who failed him three times. Three times he was able to say, yes, I love you, but, but, but I need you to meet me where I am. And we saw the glory and the beauty of Jesus condescending to love Peter where he was, but loving him so much to not leave him there, to invite him into a deeper relationship. And we reminded ourselves that if you love Jesus, if we answer that question, Jesus says to us, do you love me? If we answer that question, then, then again, according to his word, we will do what Jesus says, right? If you love me, he says, then you'll do what I command. So it begs a question, if I could, for just a moment. How do you know what he wants you to do? We're kind of wading into deep waters together, but we're doing it on a foundation 
of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, of the restoration of even the most broken of disciples. How do we know what he wants us to do? The larger question is, how do we discern the will of God? See, I'm guessing that, that you're like me, that almost every day you encounter situations where you can choose. I can honor God with this decision, or I can just wait in there myself, make a decision that might have huge consequences for myself and, and as we've seen, for the generations that come behind me. This question is critically important. We're just going to scratch the surface of it today, but I pray that as you go deeper into God's Word this week, that, that the beauty of it will become real to you and you'll find a source of life for your struggles. So Jesus questions his disciples, do you love me? He also commands his disciples, if you love me, then love one another. John 13, 34, a new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. So, so Jesus has given us some guidance already. He's given us a command. Love is going to be core to this, right? He gives us another one. Shepherd my flock. Shepherd my sheep, right? Three times he asked Peter, do you love me? And three times Jesus came back with one form or another, engage in caring for others, right? Start with a family of God, but it doesn't, not limited to the family of God. Tend his flock, both those within the sheepfold and those who are not yet a part of the sheepfold. And then we saw one of the most difficult aspects of this over the last couple of weeks. Wait, he says, for the promise of the Father. Do you remember that? In other words, you don't necessarily have everything you need right now to make the decision that you are called to make when you don't wait for the promise of the Father. Right? Acts 4. Excuse me, Acts 1, verse 4. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, John 13, 14, excuse me, 14, 15, 16, and 17. What was that promise? I'm just filling in a lot of blanks for, for those of you who are just joining us today. The promise was that His Holy Spirit would come and dwell in us. To look at it another way, the actual way He said it, the promise is that you will be immersed. Remember the bottle in the water? You will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. And if you'll undo that cap, if you'll let that that Holy Spirit in, you will have the very presence of God dwelling with you. So just like he's told them what happened, uh, when you make disciples, I want you to immerse them in the nature and character and community of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now he's inviting them to experience that themselves. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. But last week we... We anchored ourselves in this, this very human challenge of waiting, right? It is not easy to wait. We saw Peter just for maybe hours, if not just a couple of days, waiting for Jesus to join him in Galilee, snapped back to his original passion, fishing for fish, right? And I, I know this happened so many times in my life. I've heard the call of God. I've stepped out boldly into a new thing, you know, but then the longer I'm out there, that inexorable pull of that great rubber band to come back to where I was before. Um, God's sweet, sweet invitation now is, is to risk 
meeting him in the waiting. So let me pick it up there today. I'm going to, I'm going to summarize for you a very long passage in Acts in just a moment. But the question is, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Right? One question is the challenge of waiting. The other one is, what do you do in that? At the very end of our time last week, I just encourage you, wait, but wait actively, right? Pray. Pray. Search the Scriptures. Remember His commands, right? When you don't know what to do, seek the face of God. Oh, I think about that just in terms of this congregation, right? Well, you've been so courageous. Your elders over the last five years have taken you places you could have never imagined uh, in, in your most amazing anticipation, right? And, and courageously, you follow them, you follow their recommendation, and, and the day that, that your, um, your uh, courage was validated, the day that uh, we closed on our former property, COVID hit, and everything changed, and nothing has been the same since then. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So, so um, we were challenged. When you don't know what to do, pray, right? Remember what Jesus has already said. Let me add one more to that today. Today, in just a few moments, we're going we're gonna to receive those leaders you just elected. We're going we're gonna to pray for them. We're going to um, uh, install them and ordain Jane. We're, we're going we're gonna to act like the body of Christ together. But there's one more piece I want to add to our growing, our growing foundation here when we don't know what to do. And that's this. Excuse the rhyming here. Learn to discern. Learn to discern, right? Did you hear that in Romans 12? Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? And, and this is actually one small Greek word that's a big, long sentence in English trying to explain it. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. In other words, that you may prove what is the will of God by discerning. So what is it that we're called to differentiate between? Discernment is, is this process of, of differentiating between myriad options, right, that are out there. What is it that we're called to discern between? Well, one of them is between the world and the will of God, right? Do not be conformed to the world. The world is always going to try and press you into its mold. It's like a, um, Evansville is a big plastic area, like a, a plastics machine. It's going to try and squeeze you into a mold. And, and the apostle Paul says, don't do that, right? Don't do that. Discern between the world and the will of God. But, but discern also between what is prescription in Scripture and what is description. Now, I said that, I was testing that on Kristen, and she said, don't you dare use those words. And so I'm just doing this to smite Kristen. What do I mean by that? Discern between what God is calling you to do, what he's prescribing for you to do, 
but also between when he's just describing what happened, what was done. What are you talking about, Pastor Dave, right? Acts chapter 1. We've seen already they're struggling to wait on the Holy Spirit, right? And so they return. Next week we'll pick up on Ascension Sunday. We'll pick up the story, what happened in between, verses 5 through 11. Jesus ascended to the Father. It's an amazing, great mandate that God gives us. That's next week, right? But after the mandate, they went back to the upper room. The scripture says that there was 120 of them. And now they're joined by Jesus' mother and by his brothers. They're joined by all these women who have faithfully followed Jesus, even when no one else would, to the cross, to the grave, to the resurrection. Right? This, this community of 12 is growing, and, and they return to this upper room and, and, and pray. They do exactly what we were discerning. God was telling us that they're praying, right? They're praying. But then Peter stands up and Peter says, we got a problem. Peter says, um, Judas, as was prophesied in Scripture, betrayed Jesus and was lost to us. And, and now we must select someone to replace Judas, right? We must select. I want to keep my eye on this for a second. Um, and so, um, therefore, uh, my suggestion, Peter says, is to, uh, that we think about those who have been with us from the very beginning. We think about those who are powerful witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and, and we select those people who meet that criterion. And they thought about it, and they named two, Barsabbas and Matthias, right? And then uh, they said, uh, these two fit those, that, those categories that we've said, uh, God, we need you to discern between these two. And so they, um, they cast lots. They cast lots to see which God was discerning. Now, um, I'm just going to say to you, I am way out here in left field. You're going to need the discernment. Nobody else that I'm aware of goes with me on this. So just understand that, right? What I'm suggesting to you was that they went back to a structure that had served the people of God from the very beginning until then, but it was a structure that was dependent on the Holy Spirit not being present with them. The casting lots is a very common thing in the Old Testament to discern the will of God. Proverbs actually says, you know, you cast a lot and, and the Lord determines the outcome, right? But everything has changed now. No one had cast lots for the last 430 years to determine the will of God. Or if they did, the Bible didn't record it because it wasn't effective, right? God had not spoken, period, much less through the casting of lots in 430 years. Something crazy is going on here. The world is being turned upside down. God is inviting us into a whole new realm, right? The kingdom is no longer out there. The kingdom's not even near. The kingdom of God is here, and, and there is a new way of doing this. There is a new way of discerning the will of God, but you must wait for it, right? You must wait for it. So, so Peter 
um, suggested that they do a process, and they thought, well, that sounds good to us. And they did it, and they cast lots, and Matthias was chosen. And this is Dave again, but Matthias never appears again in the rest of Scripture, right? Sometimes we, um, I'm looking at Peter and saying, Peter, there was a structure that they needed to fulfill. I felt that, this, Bessie, we felt it, right? Our, our bylaws say there must be a certain number of elders, there must be a certain number of deacons, right? And we felt the pressure of the structure to fulfill that, right? And sometimes the pressure is not from the structure, but it's from the strategy. We want to advance the kingdom of God. We want to reach this city for Jesus Christ. Our strategy is to, is to, to choose men and women who are passionate about Jesus and who will, will help us advance the kingdom of God in Evansville, right? That's our strategy. Sometimes we depend on our structures and sometimes we depend on our strategies. But my suggestion to you is that first and foremost, we must depend on the spirit, Right? Because the Spirit does things you do not expect. If you were just to ask me, this is completely Dave again, but, but if you were to ask me who was the twelfth apostle, now I'm not sure that they needed a twelfth one, but if you had to look at Scripture and say who was the twelfth apostle, who would you say? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so you're experiencing... I, I'm not going to make a federal case out of that. All I'm going to say is... What God wants is what's important, right? And who was Paul? Oh, yeah, he was that guy really named Saul who was persecuting Christians at the time, right? The last person you would expect God to choose. The last person. I'm, I'm not kidding. There was nobody else who, uh, who would have been farther from their mind. So, so again, forgive me for going this. I'm... I, prayed with Christ said, I do not in any way want to undermine your trust in the word of God, right? But the word of God describes both what we are to do, there you go, and what he did, right? What, what, what happened? The classic example is, forgive me because it's really rude and crude, the classic example is when you say, oh God, what is your will for me? I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to stick my finger in it and whatever I do, you've all heard the story, let's remind yourself, it's such a clear example of this, right? Uh, what am I to do? And you point to that and it says Judas went out and hung himself, right? Well, that can't be it. I'm going to try this one more time, right? And you point in there again and it says what you do, do quickly, right? Um, go and do likewise. I mean, it's just you you got to be really careful when you're discerning the will of God. So learn about it. Learn to discern the, the will of God and recognize that that much of Scripture is describing. Otherwise, we would we would look at David and say, well, David was the one after God's own heart. Right. Are, are we supposed to commit adultery? Are we supposed to commit murder? No, no, no. A discern between um, what is prescriptive and what is descriptive in Scripture. But lastly, let me just really encourage you to come on up, worship team, if you would. Discern, learn to discern between what is good and what is best. And beloved, this is the hardest part, right? This is the hardest. Learn to discern between what is good and what is best. Remember Paul's prayer for the Philippians in Philippians 1? This is my prayer, that your love 
may abound. The, the picture there is that it's just overflowing. Your cup of love is so full, it's overflowing more and more. And then he says, he says two words in the, in the ESV, in knowledge. But again, like we saw a couple of weeks ago, he's not talking about knowledge of facts. He's using a different word, gnosko. He's, he's talking about experiential knowledge. I want you to experience love. And I want you to experience the giving of love, right? I want your love to overflow out of your personal experience. And then, and this is, this is so rich, and I, I still can't wrap my brain around it as well. And then the word that's translated, this translated depth of insight. Whoop, is that me? There we go. Um, the word that's translated in depth of insight is uh, the word aesthesis, from which we get the word aesthetics. And the implication is beauty will be your guide, right? I want you to experience love. I want you not to see your faith as a bunch of don't do this is right? But to see a vision of that which is so beautiful that everything else pales in comparison, Right? God has a perfect will for you. And though it might be hard when you're in the midst of it, uh, oh, my goodness, oh, I can't go there. But uh, just uh, dear friends going through absolutely gut-wrenching uh, uh, discernment processes. Uh, but don't, don't think about what you might lose. Think about what you might gain. Think about the beauty that is before you. And so Paul says, I want your love to overflow with experiential knowledge and such a vision of beauty that everything else pales in comparison. Why? So that you may be able to discern not what is good. Sometimes what is good is the enemy of what is best, right? Because we settle for it. Not between what is good, but what is best. And you know what the outcome is going to be, Paul says? That you will be pure and blameless. For the day of Christ. Oh my gosh. May it be true, God. May it be true of me. May it be true of our leaders who we're going to set apart. May it be true of our congregation. Lord, that we are pure and blameless at the day of Christ. I said earlier that we will always gravitate toward structures. Because there's a comfort in it. And strategies, because there's hope sometimes in our strategies. How did that work in the Bitcoin thing? How'd that work for you, right? Um, no, no. We will always gravitate toward these things, but God has given us a new center of gravity. And we're going to live into that in the next two weeks. Ascension Sunday, next week. Pentecost Sunday, the week after that. Our new center of gravity is His Holy Spirit. And that's the greatest gift you have in discerning the will of God. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for this congregation. I thank you. It's hard. But I thank you for some of the trials that you have, that you have put us through. God, just like Paul said, sometimes the way that we discern is by testing, is by trial. And, and we learn that that is not your will, but, but you have something much more beautiful in store for us. I think about these precious leaders, God, that we're setting apart today. Thank you for our congregation. 
Lord, for their being willing to seek your face first through electing a nominating committee to, to do the legwork for us. And we're so grateful for all their hard work. But then, God, for this privilege right here today of setting apart these women and men for your holy purpose. And so, God, uh, I pray as we face those other decisions that we have to make, as we cry out to you for those other places where we need discernment. Henry, I'm thinking of you online. I know you've got some big decisions ahead of you. God, I thank you that as we face those decisions, God, we can trust. If we wait, if we're filled with your Holy Spirit, that you will lead us to the right place. So we love you. We thank you for that precious gift in Jesus' name. Amen.